Well, tonight I want to talk to you about light and life and love. One of my favorite parts of Christmas is the lights. We see lights on trees, we see lights in neighborhoods, we see lights pretty much everywhere at Christmas. Now, in our modern world, they're electric, and uh, way back when, it was all candlelight, and so part of our Christmas Eve service is, is blending the two. And a, a lot of people would say, you know, uh, Christmas lights, Christmas trees, all this stuff, very unchristian. And, and, and I want to suggest that, particularly, maybe the lights would be something that could draw us and our hearts towards Jesus. Let me, let me explain myself as we go. The, the tradition of lighting a tree is uh, at least the historical kind of traditional um, story is that a pastor wanted to bring the light that Christmas brings. Uh, looking up at the stars, seeing that you know, there was once a star that the wise men followed and bringing that into his home so his family and particularly children could focus their hearts during this Christmas season on that light and life and love of Jesus. And so we do that. So I think light is particularly important. It, it, there's something warm to it when, when we light candles, when we light Christmas trees. There's something that happens in us. And I think there's something more than just a warm feeling of Christmas. I think there's actually something meant to be more to it. In order to understand a little bit about why I think that light and life and love go together and why Christmas lights have something to do with Jesus, we need to understand something about the attributes of God. Now, as humans, we have attributes. So we have parts of ourselves that we live in and out of. So we have parts of ourselves where we might like baking, or we're an introvert, or we're an extrovert, or we particularly like crafts, or we like gaming, or you know, we're a quiet person, or we have a personality that is, you know, really winsome and warm. These are parts of ourself, and over time, over our life, we try on different parts, and we learn different parts of our personality and our life and our attributes. And when we speak of one another, we might talk about one of our attributes when we're saying, you know, oh, so-and-so, he's so good at, or she really is, excels at this part, or, or, or we may say of someone, yeah, they're really outgoing, or someone's really quiet. And so we speak about a, an attribute of the person, and we know it's referring to the person, but that attribute doesn't make up the whole of a person. In fact, it's all the sum of our parts that make up who we are and, and our understanding of ourselves. It's not that way with God. With God, his attributes actually make up the fullness of his very being. And so God is not merely someone who is life-giving, he is life itself. And it's through God that all life has come. Uh, God is not merely the creator of light. He is the one from whom light comes. God is not simply loving, although he is loving. God is love in his very nature. And so his character, his nature, his attributes, how he interacts with humanity can't help but be driven by his love. It's it's not a part of who he is. It's him in his fullness and his essence. The birth uh, and Christmas narrative take place mostly in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, although we have lots of prophecies and things like that. But I encourage you to read those uh, Christmas narratives, those accounts, real-life accounts of what happened. And, and both Matthew and, and Luke, they're recorded well. But John, who was an apostle, a disciple, one of the 12 that Jesus chose, and in fact, um, what we see in 
the Gospels in the New Testament is that John was the disciple closest to Jesus. He was Jesus' best friend. And John records several books in the New Testament. And he has the Gospel of John, which is his account, eyewitness of what he experienced with Jesus. And he begins his Gospel narrative with an account of the backstory of Christmas. And a, a lot of times at Christmas, we kind of ignore this whole passage and overlook it. But John 1, 1 to 5 says this, in the beginning, the word already existed. Now, the word that's used here refers to Jesus. Jesus is called the living word. So you have a Bible that's a written word, but Jesus, the son of God, is the living word of God. And so every time in this passage, we hear the word, it's referring to Jesus. So in the beginning, the word or Jesus already existed. The Word, or Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God, so Jesus is fully God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. And here's where it gets really cool with light and life. The Word, or Jesus, gave life to everything because being God, life is His very nature to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Now, when we read light in the New Testament... Sometimes it's metaphorical, sometimes it's literal, but here it's a bit of both. It's an illustration of what Jesus did, but light came into the world, physical light through Jesus. God created the world and spoke light into being, and it was through Jesus that that came. But there is also the illustration that light and life, light being goodness, love, the opposite of darkness, evil, sin, came through him. He brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. And in a few moments when we light our candles, we'll see that that's true, that darkness can't overcome light. Light always overcomes darkness. And there's, in some mysterious way, light and life go hand in hand. In some spiritual way, the attributes of light and life go together. And so when we see light at Christmas, it can be a reminder that through this light, the light of the world, Jesus is called, eternal life, spiritual life has come because that life is spiritual light and extinguishes spiritual darkness. John writes another few books in the New Testament. One of the letters he writes in 1 John, he talks about the same theme, but he describes it a little bit different to the people he writes it to. Here's what he says in the beginning of that book, 1 John. We proclaim to you that the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen, so John's heard and seen Jesus, he lived with Jesus, we saw him with our own eyes, we touched him with our own hands, he is the word of life. There's how we know that in his first gospel when he talks about the word of life, the word existing with God. He's referring to Jesus. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he's the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. Now, if you're with us this morning, or if you know the, the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, this idea of light and life going hand in hand, being part of one another, and having some spiritual significance together, we sing it at Christmas time. One of the verses is this, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings with healing in his wings. Light and life are in some spiritual way one, and they come through Jesus. Their significance to this. In fact, if we fast forward to the end of the story, when Jesus has returned, we're waiting for Jesus to come again, and he establishes his kingdom, and there's heaven, and people get to go 
be with God forever in his light and life. This is what John, again, records. He says this is what it will be like in heaven. And the city, meaning heaven, has no need for sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city. And the Lamb, referring to Jesus being the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world, is its light. And so whatever limitations Jesus placed on himself in coming to earth, being fully God and fully human, not being the full, literal, physical source of life uh, and, and, and light in that way, he restores. When he returns, he is fullness of life. He gives eternal life to people. The ability to be with God forever comes through Jesus, and he provides the light. There is this really mysterious link between light and life. So sometimes we talk about um, making the world a better place, and we might say, you know, let's, let's make it more loving. Let's bring more life into the world. Let's make it a little brighter, a little less dark. But there's a problem with this. Because typically when we talk about it, we, we just talk in terms of good deeds. And, you know, if governments would make better decisions, if we would be more loving to one another, if we'd just be better people, we could transform the world, we could get rid of whatever, you know, climate change there is, and wars, and rumors of wars, and all these things. We as humanity can undo the darkness in the world. And there's a little bit of truth there, because the beginning of the Bible says that we are created in God's image. We bear God's image. We have part of ourselves that calls God. It's just hardwired into us. And so we desire to do some good. We desire to be who he wants us to be. But the problem is we can only be this light and this life in our own strength for really short periods of time. Over the Advent season, we focus on uh, four themes typically, hope and peace and joy and love. And then there's a fifth that comes Christmas Eve, light. And for seasons of time, we as humans can bring a bit of hope and some peace and some joy and some love when we're on our best behavior. Have you done this? I've done this. When I'm on my best behavior, I can, I can behave very well. But eventually, sometimes, I forget and I go back to behaving the way I, I don't want. John says elsewhere in 1 John, he says this, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So if we're supposed to be people of light, if those who are followers of Jesus are supposed to bring life, it's because we are connected to the source of light and life. So why is it that we can't seem to bring this on our own? John has some answers. He continues. He says this, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. In other words, all the stuff that we see and hear about followers of Jesus in the church, where it's hypocrisy and not living the way we should, John is saying this. If we say we have fellowship with God, if, if the church and followers of Jesus say that they're following God, but go on living in spiritual darkness or don't live the way Jesus asks us to, don't allow him to work in and through them, of course, of course it's going to seem like darkness. We're lying. But if we live in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. Then, then the love that we want to have between each other, that we're supposed to have in Christ, between humanity, between humans, is there. It's only through the source of light and life. God is the light, and we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves, 
and not living in the truth. If we think that our nature, we're basically good and we can change everything on our own, well, it just hasn't happened. Like when we look back at history, no one has been able to bring lasting peace. No one has been able to, in any society, community, group of people, bring lasting love, hope, peace, joy, all of these things. We just can't do it. Why? Because if our hearts are separated from God and we're walking in darkness, and that's what the, the Bible says, that when we're separated from God, we, we're walking in, in darkness. We may not want to behave that way. We may want to be loving and, and be life-spreading. But if our hearts aren't changed, it's very difficult just to be on our best behavior and bring lasting change to the world. And so Jesus has come into the world, fully God, fully human, from the Father. And it's because of his love. The passage that was read during our Advent reading is a prophecy of hundreds of years before Jesus came. And it says this. I'm going to read parts of it again. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. The people of the Old Testament were looking for a light to shine. Now, they were waiting for a ruler to come with a kingdom and a government and set up you know, this type of rule and reign where no one can do anything other than what the Israelites wanted, other than what the Jewish people wanted in God's way. So they were looking for the wrong kind of ruler. And sometimes we look for that, right? We're looking for authorities or uh, principles or, you know, uh, laws or what maybe people in leadership would encourage us to do. And when we don't do it, it all falls apart. For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now, that hasn't happened. If I look back, especially as I look at the, the New Testament, I read it through, and I see what Jesus did and what he did through his people. There's not this physical world-lasting government that's resting on the shoulders of Jesus where he's ruling from a physical throne on earth. And so what, uh, what's going on here? What does that have to do with light and life and love and prophecy and Jesus coming down? Well, what the people looked for before Jesus came, I think we still kind of look for. We're looking for this, this key, this thing to happen in our own strength, in our own ability that we can explain, control, and make happen. But what Jesus did in coming is he came with light and life, but he came to establish a different kind of kingdom. He came to establish a kingdom based in love. A love of a father who was so great, so kind, that Jesus took on flesh, being fully God, fully human, left his father's throne, came in as a baby, lived, died, rose again, and ascended, and we wait for him to return where he will establish a lasting kingdom. And that kingdom, he began the moment he set foot on earth because what he set up can rule and reign in hearts. What Jesus wants to do is change our hearts. The reason we can't have lasting any of these things, peace and joy and all of that kind of stuff, is because if our hearts are distant from God and our hearts aren't changed, then our lives can't be changed either. Jesus is not king of behavioral management. Like, he didn't come to, to change our behaviors or, or make a group of people who would be on their best behavior. And, and 
that's where the church has got it all wrong. And maybe you've come tonight and you've got some, you know, questions about church and followers of Jesus and probably all, all what you believe and all you felt is probably correct because where people get it wrong is we think we can do it in our own strength. We think if I'm good enough, I can bring light. If I'm, if I'm smart enough, if I'm kind enough, I can have eternal life. And that is actually how humanity fell. Humans rejected God's way for their own. And so Jesus came, light and life, because of love. Okay, kids, some of your parents, I've been hearing the whispers, are probably saying, turn, turn your little candles off. It's not time. Turn them on. We're going to turn them off in a minute, but I want you to turn them on for a minute. Okay? Turn them on. I want you to look at that little light. Okay? Because I said I want to talk to you about light and life and love. And the reason on Christmas Eve we light these and we have light is a reminder that Jesus, the light of the world, has come into the, come into the world. And what we're going to do in a few moments after I tell a story is we're going to watch the light spread from what we refer to as the Christ candle, the purple candle, throughout here. And I want you to, to see that and watch that and be reminded that Jesus wants you to know his light, being goodness, being kindness, being all the things, the good things of God he wants to work in you and change your heart. And the second thing is about life, because light has something to do with life. And these lights represent spiritual life, that if we believe in Jesus, we receive him into our life, he forgives us, he cleanses us, he makes us new, and he gives us a new way of life here and eternal life forever. And the third thing is love. This light and this life is all because he loves us, and he wants us to love one another too. All right. Turn off your candles. We're going to turn them on in just a minute. Turn them off. There is a, a story that's been told on Christmas Eve to children in Germany for hundreds of years. And I thought it might be a, a neat way to help us understand how light and life and love come together in Jesus. And on a particular Christmas Eve, hundreds of years ago, a small child wandered through the streets of a nameless town. It was cold and it was snowing, and the main street of the town was busy, as probably across here at Walmart and everywhere else is busy tonight too, people doing last-minute arrangements for their Christmas celebrations. And people came and went from store to store, and they seemed to take no notice of this child. The, the wind was blowing, the snow was picking up, it was getting colder. This child clearly had no hat or mittens, not a coat warm enough to keep him warm, and his shoes had holes in them. But person after person rushed past without taking notice of this child at all. Eventually, as the night went on, it got colder. The snow got heavier. The night got darker. And as he started to reach the end of where the shops and the stores were, there were less and less people on the street. And he started to came up, come upon home after home, and as he walked past the windows of each home, he noticed that inside, families were decorating their Christmas tree, which was the tradition to do it on Christmas Eve. And they were gathering for Christmas meals. Some were reading the Christmas story. Some were singing carols and finally got enough, enough courage to go and knock on a door of a very large home that he saw, thought certainly they're well enough off and rich enough that they can take me in and help me tonight. I'm so cold. So he got up the courage and he walked up the steps and tapped on the door. 
And the door opened and one of the workers from the home greeted him, a very tall, kindly man with a warm smile. And the child asked if he could come in. And with a a saddened heart, that man said, no, the family can't take you in tonight. They have plans and I'm not allowed to invite anyone in. And so with that, he closed the door. And as the door closed, it seemed that the warmth and the light and the smells of Christmas dinner, the sound of the songs and the smell of the pine closed with it. And so on he continued to walk through the streets of this town. And he came upon another home with a large window in the front and a Christmas tree with a chair. And sitting on the chair beside the Christmas tree was a large white stuffed lamb with a red bow around its neck. And he pressed his face against the window and longed to be inside and just bury his face in that stuffed lamb. And a a small girl, clearly the owner of that stuffed animal, came to the window. But instead of a smile and a friendly welcome, she wrinkled her nose and shooed him away. He continued to walk on and on, and the snow got heavier, the night got darker, the wind got colder. Every once in a while, he'd get up enough courage to rap on a window or tap on a door, and the story was the same each time. They couldn't take him in. Some families said they didn't have enough to share with him. Others said they were too busy. Others said they were worried about the trouble he might bring. They don't know who he is and what he might do. And still others were worried that he might bring some sort of sickness into their home and ruin their Christmas celebrations. Home after home after home, he was turned away. As he walked, there was scarcely anyone left on the streets at all. And the night continued to grow on. It got darker, the snow got heavier, the night got colder. But in the distance, at the end of the street, he saw a bright light. He couldn't ignore it, and he thought, I'm going to go see what this light was. And so he quickened his pace as he went through the wind and the snow. And at the very end of that main street, he came to a small home, really really a shack. And there was a front window. It had no curtains. The window didn't seem to really keep out all the wind, but in it there was a small candle in a broken cup. And he, he couldn't figure out how this small candle could shine that bright light, but it didn't matter to him. And he quietly tiptoed up to the window and, and peered in. Inside he saw a mother with two small children warming themselves by a small fire. She held one child on her lap, the other sat in the chair beside her. It seemed that she was talking to them, maybe telling them the Christmas story. And as he looked, he thought, maybe this home will take me in. He quietly tapped on the door. All three heads by the fire turned towards the door, and and the two small children said, Mother, I I don't think it's anything. It's probably just the wind. Keep your story going. We want to hear the end. And so the mother continued with her story. A few moments later, a rapping at the door again. It was unmistakable, and the mother turned her head towards the door quickly and told her two children, quick, run, open the door. We must not let whoever is there stay out in this storm any longer. As they opened the door, they saw the small child, no hat on his head, no mittens on his hand, a coat that couldn't keep away the cold, and shoes that had holes in them. And the mother gasped, reached out, and took the child into her arms. She hurried him to the fire, sat him on her lap. Her two children warmed his hands, one to each hand. 
She got as close to the fire as she possibly could and she took his tattered hair away, brushing the curls away from his face. She gently kissed his forehead and held him close and said, you, you poor child. She just couldn't bear that someone would be left outside and not share in their Christmas. That's when the oldest of her two children, the daughter, spoke up and said, Mother, can't we share some of our beautiful Christmas with this young boy? And the mother nodded and said yes. And she put the child down and, and the three children continued to warm themselves by the fire. There was just the faintest glow from the candle in the window. She went underneath the table where a meager box full of Christmas ornaments sat and she brought them out onto a small wooden kitchen table where one branch of a Christmas tree sat. Her two children came over and they began preparing their Christmas tree, which was just a branch. And with a handful of ornaments, they decorated it with joy. And as they did, they failed to notice that the room began to fill with a bright, warm light. But soon it was unmistakable, and all three turned in unison to see that this small boy who had come in with tattered hair, a coat that wouldn't keep out the, the cold, no hat, no mittens, torn shoes, was now clothed in a white robe, gleaming. His hair seemed to glow, but it was his face that caught their attention most. Because his face, he had such a warm, gentle smile, and his face radiated and filled the room with light. It seemed to them as if their small shack widened to the whole expanse of the earth, that the roof went higher and higher up to the stars. And as they watched this boy, they noticed that he began to rise into the air, up above the church steeple and the tallest houses, way past the tallest trees until he was just a small star in the sky. And then he went away. And the daughter said, Oh, mother, was that not the Christ child? And she nodded. And they rejoiced. It's said in that tradition that each year, the Christ child wanders the streets of a random town looking for someone who will welcome him in. That the, the light that already exists in someone's heart and home with the openness and the way of Jesus, the way that he has already transformed becomes a beacon of light through which Jesus can shine to others in the world the rest of the year. Now we know that's not true. <laughs> we know that that's a, that's a tale, that's a fable. But the truth is still the same. In some mysterious spiritual way, the light of the world and eternal life and a sacrificial love like no other come together and are met in Jesus. And he offers to each one of us that light, that life through his love. And it's my hope and my desire that this Christmas Eve, your heart will be filled with his light. You would receive his gift of life not just eternal life, but new and lasting life now that we might live differently in the world and spread his life and life as his followers. And that the love we receive through him would change our hearts 
change our life, change our households, change our cities, and change our world. Christmas Eve is a time of light. Christmas Eve is a time of life. Christmas Eve is a time of love. And in a moment, I'm going to welcome our worship team back up. And we're going to light candles together as we sing in a moment. So a few instructions for you. We're going to have um, Gina Cowan, who is our youth director, and her family are going to go up the aisles and light your candles so we spread them from the aisles out and on the sides. If you have an unlit candle, which you should right now, (laughs) please turn the unlit candle to the lit one. You're going to find there's much less wax on your hands and a lot less crying with your kids. So... If you can take the unlit candle and tilt it towards the lit candle, and as we sing this evening, may you be reminded that the light of Jesus is meant to spread through our hearts to the rest of the world, that people would know about his life and that we might experience his love.